You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. The kind of place we expect a ghost like to wander. Hey, we all know that we're going to die, baby. I'll help you. I'm something of a witch. Welcome to Mission Spooky. I'm your replacement host, Cord, because JC's still not here. But with me today, as per usual, the queen of everything kiki what up how we doing how we doing we finally got rid of jc (laughs) (laughs) unintentionally (laughs) your plan has come to fruition cord you're in charge now i'm just happy whether jc's here or not i think this is the first time in probably what four or five recording sessions that i have both slept and am not sick (laughs) For recording. Oh. <laughs> Holy shit. It's a red letter day. I slept. I don't feel like garbage. It's a beautiful day. Well, for posterity, we're technically recording that. Well, not technically. We are recording this on March 24th of 2023. That's going to come into play later. <laughs> oh, is it a special anniversary? Huh? No, it's not. It's not. It's just that some of the stuff that I was... R- I'm writing about this stuff while something else is simultaneously going on. And I'm like, by the time this airs, that stuff will have been almost a month old. So I'm, I'm curious now. You should be. I don't know what you're referring to. (laughs) Yeah. I'll get there. God. So this is the last massacre that we're going to cover for uh, a little while. Cause I did say I was going to do this one. And then we're going to take a break from a lot of death and destruction. <laughs> Do some yeah. fun things. <laughs> Yay. Fun <laughs> things and some interviews we have coming up. And I guess last week, technically, I think it was Friday, uh, Nick Groff from Ghost Adventures. And I'm sure you all know how I feel about that <laughs> show. <laughs> Not a favorite. However, Nick was always decent on that show. And he's tried to break away from as the person who I refer to as Daddy Baggins. <laughs> um, he tried to break away from him and, and start his own shows. And there was Paranormal Lockdown and Death Walker, which is what I'm watching right now. That is available on Tubi if listeners, you want to give it a shot. I, I enjoy it so far. Uh, I'm only telling you all this because Nick just put out a very interesting video about some of the questions that he had about, you know, Daddy Baggins doing some terrible things to him and Dakota, who were previously on the show. So all that we can offer is that not when it comes to ghost adventures, but to other shows, we've been privy to some information about certain people that what Baggins did or has done or allegedly and supposedly is no surprise to me whatsoever (laughs) not a bit yeah so you know what i i put the feelers out there guys i i contacted nick's um agent and asked if he would like to be 
on the show at some point because I'd love to talk to him about Deathwalker. I like that he's asking questions even now and also appreciated the fact that something I didn't know until I started watching the show is that he didn't really have any personal paranormal experiences that happened to him. It was more like literally watching sightings, which was a great show. And I remember this episode because it scared the shit out of me. Uh, it was just so freaky to watch. Did you ever see the one where the there's supposedly a, a quote demon in the house or, you know, like it's something definitely malevolent in the house. And in real time, it scratches the man as he's trying to give the interview. They have to stop the interview. The camera is still rolling and you can just see the blood like coming up out of his skin. It was incredible because you're like, well, you know, this is like what, 1992 or three, some, something like that. And I'm like, how do they fake that like <laughs> in real time? <laughs> Because I, I still questioned everything. You know, I was like, how did they fake that? Like, that's some crazy shit. Because they didn't have the kind of technology we have today with, like, deep fakes, et cetera, et cetera. That is the episode that, according to Nick, uh, really got him into wanting to know more about the paranormal. And it became very interesting. He wanted to learn and wanted to know everything. And so I kind of appreciate that because I didn't also did not have any, like, actual paranormal experiences right away those things didn't happen until after i was already reading books and you know i was i was around it i didn't have any personal experiences uh, one way or the other so so yeah anyway we'll see what happens with that that's a little tidbit there so i know you're feeling well do you uh watching anything interesting no i'm watching through bob's burgers for like the 800th time <laughs> comfort tv but also there's food involved so that's just like a win-win yeah, double whammy. Double win. Oh, I did. I got caught up on The Mandalorian and I got caught up on Discovery and Strange New Worlds. I just plowed through Strange New Worlds. Holy crap, that, that show is amazing. So any of my Star Trek fans listening, hey, you know what? Uh, drop us a line. Let me know what you think. What's that on? Uh, that is on Paramount Plus with Amazon Prime. I got both of them. Hey, hey. For some of us, we got Prime like through his work initially. So Paramount Plus came with Amazon Prime back in the day. It's not like that anymore, but we got grandfathered in because we were OG Prime members. So that was pretty cool. OG. OG, baby. Honestly, Tubi, I've just been like watching a bunch of documentaries about Bigfoot. So uh, thank God for Deathwalker because, wow, at least it's a good show. My God, those Bigfoot! I got a lot of, I got a lot of feelings about those documentaries. Cord, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to do some, some documentary review episodes for fun because I got a lot of feelings. <laughs> They're not good feelings. <laughs> oh boy, the guys that are hunting Bigfoot—that one was especially, um, yeah. Bigfoot's dangerous. Speaking of documentaries. I actually did watch an interesting one, but it wasn't about anything that we talked about. Because oh, I, okay. I, I love James Randi, the magician. Mm. Oh, okay. Magellan just posted a uh, documentary about him. So I watched the whole thing. It was really interesting. Okay, well, I'm going to stop looking at this. and because uh, <laughs> Yeah, we, we, have, we have an episode to record. <laughs> yeah, let's get to the good stuff. So we're going to take a break for our sponsor. And when we get back, we're going to talk about what is currently called the Paxton Boys, but I think I have some convincing arguments 
that they should probably be called something else instead. Hey, Kiki. <laughs> yeah, we are definitely going to need some levity before we get into this. Okay. <laughs> what, Cord? What is a snake's favorite subject in school? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. Man, it, you can get this answer. It's relevant to the subject material. Um, is it the rope trick? Yeah. yeah no, it's, 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 it's climbing a rope, right? It's history. Uh, <laughs> Are we talking about historical murders today? Yeah, damn it. Got him. I like snacks too, man. Snacks <laughs> are great. Oh, okay, so technically the uh, title for this episode is, well, was going to be The Paxton Boys, but I believe I'm going to relabel it as the Susquehannock Massacre. Sounds like a party. Uh, yeah, it was not a party. <laughs> well, it may have been a party to somebody, but... Uh, well, yeah, those people were being psychopath. But anyway... <laughs> So the next and the last massacre for now, so that I don't lose my goddamn mind over reading a bunch of horrible things again, is just another example of how this country has been built on murder in the name of patriotism. And it's fitting that I'm writing this at the almost exact moment that someone is attempting to incite violence against Americans again. I also find it ironic that the same, quote, backcountry settlers that are featured in this particular massacre are a mirror to the same folks in the middle of our state right now who appear to be backing violence again. The only silver lining to all of this is that those who incited the violence in the past ultimately lost their battle, but not after causing great sorrow and death. So maybe this time they'll learn. Maybe. Maybe history. Let's hope so. Will not repeat itself. That's also, this is why I say that by the time this airs, some of that will already have either happened, not happened, possibly not happened. First of all, I started researching this topic like two years, uh, well, about a year ago. And when I started this, there were two very distinct camps of historians. I think you'll find this quite interesting, Cord. Okay. There's like two kinds of people, two camps of people talking about this event. The first set represents earlier writings, earlier takes on the Paxton boys. A lot of these are made by amateur historians who didn't really delve too deeply into Pennsylvania history as a whole. And they paint the Paxton boys as these patriotic fighters rising against a tyrannical, dare I say, woke Philadelphia government. <laughs> Led by peace-loving Quakers. Uh, these folks will only use a very tiny slice of the much larger pie to misrepresent what the Paxton boys did. Often this is portrayed as like the little guy taking on the big government trope. And they completely gloss over the cold-blooded, racist-induced slaughter of innocent women and children. It's my favorite. Uh, okay. Doing, doing a little bit of a, a killdozer treatment on it, huh? And if by now... Dear listeners, you're not seeing a pattern here in the development of not only our state, but our entire nation. Well, I might be hitting you over the head with the overlapping theme with this story. So buckle up. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. Buckle up and get ready to get pissed off either way. Now, you can be a certain supporter of a certain person. You can go ahead and get pissed at me all you want, but these are the facts. This is history. I can't change it. What I can change is how you look at it, and hopefully you'll figure it out real fast that this is not the way to go. (laughs) But, as usual... I got some historical background for you first, baby. (laughs) All right, let's go. (laughs) Just the mundane stuff, the stuff that you should probably know, just so that you understand that the the climate of Pennsylvania at this point is weird. Yeah, almost as weird as it is is right now with the friggin' frogs like just showing up all of a sudden. I was like, uh, (laughs) aren't you guys supposed to be here next month? (laughs) Okay. Nope, you're here having babies already. Fantastic. At least they're cute. It's the frog's fault. Oh, well, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> wow, Cord, you're just you're just firing on all cylinders today, and you I'm don't even know it yet. Dude, I'm on. I'm on today. <laughs> wait, that... just wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I slept and I'm not sick. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, we begin... In a place called Haxtang, which was previously the site of the Shawnee Lenape village called Pashtank. Don't make fun of that. That's I, actually I, I yeah. bit my tongue. I held job. I held back. I know. <laughs> I was about to say something really stupid and went, nope, bad idea. Don't do donk, that. Pashtank, Pashtank, Pashtank. So I'm I'm glad we both yeah. went to the same place. Uh, yep. <laughs> I know every time I said it I was like <laughs> I was about to sing that honky tonk. <laughs> I believe it means calm waters though, so you know. That's much more respectful. Right? <laughs> uh, God. So the land is originally purchased by Oh, William Penn, imagine that. Wah, wah. In 1714, he grants Peter Bizayon. I had to look that up to make sure I was saying his stupid French name. Well, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. But seriously, Jeez. though, it was a hard name. And so it's, it's, it's spelled very, very strangely. So uh, it should be Pierre. He was born Pierre, not Peter. So that's fair. Peter slash Pierre Bizayon. 250 acres. Quote, Indian town or place on the Susquehanna within this province. This is what it says, right? Uh, And this is an agreement or permission for him to do these things. He has permission to build necessary buildings during his trade here. That's important because Bizayon is a fur trader. And to this point, everybody in the area has a pretty good working relationship and trading relationship with the natives in the area, much like the Quakers wanted. Okay? Right. So we're all friends here. Everything is great. I keep telling people, I'll remind you again in case you missed like the millionth time, me telling you that there are people here since the 1600s in Pennsylvania. So this has been well established with trade and most of the Lenape, for example, they're speaking English and their native language and they are trading with the Quakers and with the French and everybody's respecting each other to this point. Paxton's are 1700s, right? Yes. So the first time that Paxtang even comes up, it has a lot to do with the fact that Bizayon was given this area of land, which was a grant. It was a land grant. He didn't buy it. It was, you know, like 
William Penn was basically like, here's 250 acres. You can trade on here. You can make buildings as long as they have to do with trade. Don't fuck up the Indians shit, okay? Right. Fair enough. And Bezayon would not want to because he wants to trade with the natives. He, this is, he's making money. I could do a whole thing just on him too. There's a lot of these people during this time period. They're very interesting. They have a long history. I'm going to speed things up a little bit because we're going to get past a huge chunk of history here because... Ah. Fast forward. Yes, exactly. Because this is pre-French and Indian War. And this is uh, 40 years, I think, if I did my math correctly. About 40 years before the French and Indian War. Bizayon is already being accused of helping the French incite Native Americans to attack the English. None of these allegations are true. Even after he gets arrested several times, they question him several times. It's only important because the settlers in the area, they're going to know about these arrests. They're going to know about these accusations. And New France is just on the doorstep of the Pennsylvania frontier land. And I'm thinking that anyone who's not French is probably figuring that something's about to pop off pretty soon. So fast forward to 1740 in this area. The old Paxton church is built. Side note about this church is pretty interesting. It's the oldest Presbyterian church in continuous use in Pennsylvania and is the second oldest in the entire country. That's probably a cool-ass building to be in. It's probably not. It looks like a stone house. (laughs) I hate to tell you. Hey, I think that's pretty cool. I know. I'm just joking. It's not, (laughs) you know. You forget you're also talking to nerds here. I know, just in case, architecturally speaking, that you were thinking it was some grand thing. It's not. It's no, no. I was was expecting a a night one Minecraft shack. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, So anyway, I joke. It is a very cool building. I would actually want to go there just because it is that old. Reverend John Elder is going to be from the Paxton Church. He's going to become known as the Fighting Parson, which would be really cool if he wasn't also going to be in the fucking massacre. Yay. Yeah. He becomes known as the Fighting Parson because during the French and Indian War, this is when he gets involved in the military. Unfortunately, right after the French and Indian War, which if people don't know about that, is basically the French with their allied Native American tribes fought the British. So you see where prior to this, with Bizayon being accused of all this like subterfuge and possible being a spy for the French, there was already for the last 30 years this, you know, contentiousness between the two places. And New France is right up against Pennsylvania at this point. They have a great portion of Western Pennsylvania. So what we consider to be the backcountry slash frontier of PA, this is where Paxton is. So these people have gone through the French and Indian War and what comes immediately the very next, that same year, it ends in 16, or 1763, we immediately go into Pontiac's Rebellion. We talked about that in our Enoch Brown Massacre episode. Right. Basically, natives are distrustful of the English who've just recently won the French and Indian War. And while that rebellion is going on, Pontiac and those forces are going to burn down eight forts and they're going to kill hundreds of colonists and or capture them so technically speaking the folks in the back country have been through quite a bit fair to stay now we're going to get into the meat of today's story and that is well 
I'm going to call them, first of all, the men of Paxton, because boys to me implies that they're not fully formed, functioning human beings yet, and that they didn't know what they were doing. But these men knew exactly what they were doing. All of them had served in the military during the French and Indian War. These men of Paxton were also technically oath breakers themselves and caused much of the grief that was thrust upon them. But they didn't want to take any responsibility for the negative consequences laid upon them by their own actions. Huh. <laughs> Does that sound like another group of people right now that kind of floating around? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just me. Anyway, as Pontiac's rebellion begins, these men are held together by commonalities such as they're all Scots-Irish descent, they're all farmers, and as I said, they've all fought in the French and Indian War. They decide to form a vigilante group with the sole purpose of defense against native attacks. Now, when the governing bodies of the area... This would be Cumberland County and now renamed Dauphin County and Lancaster because Lancaster, Dauphin County is, was part of Lancaster County. So these are, you know, these are a little bit strange because they've changed over time. But let's just say, you know, it's out that way. When the governing bodies of those areas find out that they've formed this vigilante group, they let it go. They're like, OK, one of the reasons that these men cite for developing this group is that they are paying taxes to essentially Philadelphia, and no extra protection is being provided to them as promised. They accuse Philadelphia of using the money for other purposes. Because I'm an idiot, uh, I spent some time reading a great deal about tax law in Pennsylvania in the 1700s. And after I woke up from a brief nap, (laughs) 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 I did find out that during this time period, The only mention of anything that that had anything to do with with absolutely providing protection was the... So, I have a question. Yeah. With them forming this vigilante group, right? Was there a precedence for wanting to defend against attacks? Like, were they getting attacked by anybody? (laughs) It seems like they were just kind of, like, not super cool with each other. Like... Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm going to get to that. But but I just wanted to clarify that since I did all the fucking work, the excise tax, which was on the commodities like coming in. Right. So, you know, it makes sense. They're going to cut you a break on food and things like that, especially if it's stuff that you need. But luxury items were still getting taxed at the ports. Uh-huh. It, yeah, that money was getting dumped into the Navy, essentially what will become the Navy. Right. Of course, that was necessary to protect the ships that were coming in. I couldn't really find anything about promises made of any sort of protection against native raids. And it might be because what they failed to mention is that Reverend Elder and possibly Lazarus Stewart, whose name's going to come up again, have not been using the vigilante group for defensive purposes but instead have been preemptively attacking nearby native settlements that they have decided are in collusion with other tribes who've been pillaging and scalping. Gotcha. So they're bringing on the need for protection themselves by causing the problem they need protection for. What a bunch of assholes. (laughs) Yeah. And again, gentle reminder to our listeners that the natives are mostly converted to Quakerism or some form of Christianity at this point in time. This is not a, quote, savage nation. This is <sighs> folks living, tribes, tri- tribal folks living in 
communities, established communities, and trading and speaking with and being good friends with. It doesn't make any sense. The only thing that is pretty consistent about this area is that there are a lot of preconceived notions of, well, I had to fight the French and the, and the Indians in that war, and so all Native Americans are terrible. We keep seeing this. We keep seeing this over and over again. Those who cause the most problems are painting this huge swath with that brush, just like, oh, well, everybody sucks when they don't. It's really annoying. Ay, ay, ay. It's also mentioned that the Scots-Irish settlers in this area have continually encroached on Native territory, breaking treaties and ignoring charters that had been negotiated long before they ever stepped foot in Pennsylvania. For example the Conestoga Indian Town, as it was called, where our unfortunate victims reside, was an area of land partitioned specifically for the Susquehannock tribe of Pennsylvania by William Penn himself in the 1690s. This area encompassed roughly 500 acres. I'd like to point out that at least two of the leading men involved in this massacre owned that amount of land at one point in their miserable fucking lives. It's like... William Penn gave them this land to build on and to keep for themselves and to hunt and to do agriculture on. And you fucking assholes, you already had enough. One guy owned 400 acres at one point. Another guy owned like 250 acres at one point. Jesus Louise. Yeah. You already own, just the two of you alone already own more land than all of those natives do. And they fucking are from here. Anyway, but it gets worse. <laughs> it always gets worse. It always gets worse. Always, always. We wouldn't be talking about it if it didn't get worse. <laughs> and before you, I, I kind of forgot to mention, shoot, like right off the bat, before you rage quit this episode because you're like, oh, this is just history. Oh, no, there's a fucking haunting at the end of it. Trust me. So Reverend Elder and the other leaders of this vigilante group at Paxton also used the Presbyterian Church as a basis for why they're committing these crimes. Which means that from now on, I'll be calling them domestic terrorists. Oof. And possibly cultists. Because honestly, it should be called the Paxton cult. Oh, yay. They've referred to natives as Canaanites. Anybody who is a Christian-based person or has studied it or went to Catholic school like I did, you understand that that's someone who follows Cain, therefore they're evil, and they must be destroyed. I mean, that's kind of like yeah. the very, you know, that's the ba real super basic yep. idea. Yep, yep, yep. But they didn't include just Native Americans, which is why they're also domestic terrorists, because they also hated Quakers, Moravians, and any other white person who attempted to help anybody who was of brown persuasion in this particular case. Oh, my God. Or they believed, quote, jeopardized the security of the back country. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. You see, yeah, you see why this is a cult. Well, I, I'm glad that's clearly defined for everybody. Thanks. Yeah. So if you came through their town and you talked about how you were doing trade with the Lenape, for example, and how everything was going well, they hated you for that. What a bunch of pricks. <laughs> also, apparently, since they're from the back country and they're farmers, they don't like anyone who has an education. Yeah. They often, ref <laughs> they, they often refer to the Philadelphians as the aristocrats, the people with money, the rich people. <laughs> uh, it, 
Imagine Philadelphia being considered aristocratic. Like, <laughs> now it's really funny, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh my god. So before I begin the play-by-play of the actual massacre, I'm just going to sum up really quickly here. So at this point, we have a cultish domestic terrorist organization deliberately encroaching on Native territory and attacking innocent Native Americans while also claiming that they need more protection from the same Native Americans that they attacked in the first place. They're also asking for help from white colonists whom they openly despise. Because the Quakers just want to try and be cool with everybody i sincerely wish that i was making this shit up but it also sounds so familiar doesn't it like what like what the hell are these guys problem (laughs) yeah it's like who pissed in your cheerios dude so i'm gonna call him the terrorist matthew smith sorry matt smith the actor i (laughs) not the same person don't worry uh he was convinced that will sock the prominent member of the Susquehannock tribe was secretly providing aid and intelligence to rebellious tribes. To this point, I'm still trying to figure out what the fuck he's talking about. Because, again, we didn't have that problem here. If we did have that problem, it was created by them. Uh, yeah. Smith and five of his fellow cultists decided to investigate the Conestoga village, where, according to them, they saw, quote, dozens of strangers armed Indians in the little village. That is the quote. I'm not, that's how he wrote it, or how he supposedly said it. I think what he meant was dozens of strange Indians armed to the teeth in the little village, which was Conestoga. By the way, these claims will never be substantiated (laughs) by anyone no one knows what the fuck these guys are talking about. That's great. That's fantastic. Yep. So the six of them return to Reverend Elder and they ask him for help to raid the village. Reverend Elder supposedly, and I think feebly, tries to dissuade these men from conducting any violence, but they're not going to listen. So on December 14th, 1763, about 57 of these terrorists from Paxton, decide that they're going to attack the Susquehannock. They ride to the site of their village and discovered that almost the entire tribe was out on the trade routes. You know, trading with white folks, because that's what they did on a regular basis. Right. The terrorists enter the village and they kill all six of the Susquehannock and then they burn their houses to the ground. That was so cool of them to do that. Some other reports, and if you if you read, I can't remember exactly which book this one comes from, but I do know it was mentioned at least once that one of the ideas that, that uh, Smith had was that he was very insistent. Oh, actually, no, this is from his own words. There is, I didn't, I'm not going to quote it because it's, it's really long, but it comes directly from his own words. He said that they thought one of these natives was responsible for a murder of a white person, Okay. And so they decided to kill all six of them. Ah, okay. Yeah, because that solves the problem. Wow. And at the end of the quote, he literally says that. He says, well, ever since those six are dead, no more murders have taken place. Holy shit, dude. I'm like, (laughs) okay. So 
I'm just going to throw this out there, but it could very well be that maybe one of your own people was the murderer. And rather than keep doing it and get caught, after you murdered these six innocent people, they were like, fuck, dude, I'm not going to murder nobody else because they don't kill my ass, you know, because I'm guilty. Yeah. It's, if they, it's if so, they did it to all those guys, what are they going to do when they found out it was me? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe they would just look the other way. Well, oh, well, I'll no. get to that in a minute. Well, I keep pretty much all of these massacres at some point. I'm like, I'll get to that in a second. Just hold on. Yeah. <laughs> so the remaining 14 tribe members. Uh, well, I've, I've mostly 14. I had one article that said 14 to 16, but I'm pretty, I feel like it's 14. That's okay. That's all there is, guys. 14 that were away, six that were there. This is all that remains of the entire Susquehannock tribe in Pennsylvania. That's it. Jeez. This is who they want to take on. This is who they have to get rid of. Jeez Louise, man. 57 versus six the first time around. (sighs) The remaining 14 members hear of the massacre at their home, and they begin seeking shelter with locals who are going to give it to them. Most of those people they trade with are Moravians and Quakers, and... They are not about killing any of these people. This is ridiculous, right? Sure. The governor at the time is John Penn. This is the grandson of William Penn at this point. He offered a reward of the capture of these terrorists and uh, anyone else that was responsible for the deaths at the village. Now, Ben Franklin writes about this particular part of the killing, and he says, quote, The universal concern of the neighboring white people on hearing of this event and the lamentations of the younger Indians when they returned and saw the desolation and the butchered half-burned bodies of their murdered parents and other relations cannot well be expressed. Uh, yeah. My boy is not happy. Yeah, well put, bud. Yeah. A few of these natives do make it back to see the destruction. This is what causes a bit of a panic, obviously, because like, holy fuck. And uh, they they go back to Lancaster town. John Penn, governor, he decides he's he's like, look, we will put these guys up in the local prison, and that way they're they're locked up, they're hidden, and we got to get these vigilantes under control. So it is protective custody, right? Unfortunately, somebody somewhere and somehow lets these fuckers know where the Susquehannock are hiding. Oh, my God. So on December 27th, 1763, under the leadership of Terrace, Matthew Smith, and Lazarus Stewart, the Paxton cult broke into Lancaster Prison. They killed, scalped, and dismembered six adults and eight children. The government of Pennsylvania is going to offer a new reward for the capture of anyone involved in the murders, preferably the Terrace leaders, and that amount is going to be 200 pounds, or roughly Fifty-four thousand dollars in today's money. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. See, I, I would have put more money on that. <laughs> fuck, fuck these guys, dude. Yeah. So imagine that you are hiding, you're trying to be safe, and what they have accidentally done though is put them in even more danger by putting them somewhere that they yeah. can't escape from readily. Backed them up into a corner. They're literally in a corner, and. They just get massacred. They don't have weapons. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's 
I don't think y'all will get the impact of me just saying this, though. Like, oh, folks got murdered. I'm going to read you the quote from William Henry. William Henry is a prominent Lancastrian. He's also a gunsmith. He's also Scots-Irish. He is on the other side of this looking at the devastation. And I think that's important because not only is he a weapon maker, but he's of the same ethnic background as the very men who are the perpetrators of this crime. Except he hasn't bought into any of the racist bullshit. He's not into the cult. He's not a terrorist. So it just goes to show that perhaps that same person might have been swayed living out in the frontier or not. I don't, you know, it's difficult to say, but I, again, for the same reason, I don't want to paint all Scots-Irish in Pennsylvania with this swath of like, they're all fucking assholes because obviously they're not. So Henry says this. I saw a number of people running down the street towards the jail, which enticed me and the other lads to follow. At about 60 or 80 yards from the jail, we met from 25 to 30 men, well-mounted on horses and with rifles, tomahawks, and scalping knives, equipped for murder. I ran into the prison yard, and there, oh, what a horrid sight presented itself to my view. Near the back door of the prison lay an old Indian and his women, particularly well-known and esteemed by the people of the town an account of his placid and friendly conduct. His name was Will Sock. Across him and his native women lay two children, of about the age of three years old, whose heads were split with the tomahawk, and their scalps all taken off. Towards the middle of the jail yard, along the west side of the wall, lay a stout Indian, whom I particularly noticed to have been shot in the breast. His legs were chopped with a tomahawk, his hands cut off, and finally, a rifle ball discharged in his mouth, so that his head was blown to atoms, and the brains were splashed against, and yet hanging to the wall for three or four feet around. This man's hands and feet had also been chopped off with a tomahawk. In this manner, the whole of them, men, women, and children, spread about the prison yard, shot, scalped, hacked, and cut to pieces. That, like, uh, that, like, physically hurt me. <laughs> yeah. So your leading terrorists in this particular massacre are John Elder, you know, the Reverend. Fuck him. James Gibson, Matthew Smith, Lazarus Stewart, and William Boyd. These are the ones that everybody knows by name who these people are. Uh, And uh, they hid from the law, even though, you know, they were going around telling everybody that they had every right to do what they did, but they still hid because, you know, that's what people who are guilty do. Yeah, it's almost like you you knew, you did know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You hear a lot, whether you're reading an article about this or a website or a book, there's a lot of mention about how the backcountry hid those involved, that That's the reason that none of these men were ever caught or officially captured, because a lot of times they were being hidden. There's a bit more to it than that, but let's just talk about that for a moment, because if you know that these men hate anyone who opposes them or thinks differently from them, and they can and most likely will kill you and your children with absolutely no hesitation, are you turning them in? Uh, You know? <laughs> that's a tough that's a tough one. Yeah. And I and I feel like there's too much emphasis placed on whether or not the backcountry folks, you know, didn't want to 
turn them over as opposed to they were fucking scared shitless about what was going to happen if they did. Yeah. You know these people are running a rough shot on them. Like Lazarus Stewart in particular is is labeled as basically a psychopath. Good. Good leadership material, right? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, especially for this one. <laughs> a lot of people will say that John Elder was present, but um, you know, oh, well, he tried. He tried to tell people. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, well, I'll get to that in a second. So, uh, the letter that Reverend Elder will write to Philadelphia pretty much says it all when it comes to not wanting to take responsibility for your actions at all. And I quote, had government removed the Indians, which had been frequently but without effect urged, this painful catastrophe might have been avoided. What could I do with men heated to madness? All that I could do was done. I expostulated, but life and reason were set at defiance. Yet the men in private life are virtuous and respectable, not cruel, but mild and merciful. Dude, I I was literally rolling my eyes so hard I thought I was going to pass out. Holy shit. So in other words, <laughs> it's the natives' fault because they're still there. We told you to get rid of them. And you should listen to us because we have guns. It's the old, I'm going to start swinging my fists and walking in your direction. And if you get hit, it's, mm -hmm. it's not me. It's your fault for standing there. Also. There are some good people here. They just got mixed up in some bad circumstances. Except I'm going to tell you what happens next. Because here, normally, some people might just go, well, this was the end of the massacre. Let's get to the, you know, the spooky shit. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not doing that disservice. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't out of this hole yet. You might believe that bullshit, except that these domestic terrorists will march on Philadelphia the following January. Guns akimbo, making all sorts of ridiculous demands. That's the other reason I call them a terrorist group. Ah, uh, yay. And this sounds like a playbook from some of our little 1776 pals. Because, first of all, they started a rumor that there would be at least 600 or more of them coming to cause trouble. <sighs> but only 250 of them showed up. Then Franklin musters a militia in the city. Easily enough people to overwhelm 250 hell they thought they were going to get inundated with at least 3,000 so between the british who were still because this is pre-revolutionary the british and the militia that ben franklin puts together could annihilate these fuckers yeah he uh. even manages to get some quakers to take up arms which says a lot about how much philly was yeah. absolutely fucking done with these people Hell yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So the Paxton cult comes in and starts threatening the natives living on Province Island. Man, I had to look that up because that is not, it ain't called that anymore. It's now called the Philadelphia Airport. Oh, okay. Yeah, it used to be an actual island, but it kept saying it was near Fort Mifflin. I'm like, the fuck? Oh, shit. Okay. So anyway, pretty neat. Um, yeah, they threaten they're going to kill the natives who are on that island currently. And they want more representation in the assembly, which is overwhelmingly Quaker. Duh. I mean, it's representative. I like. <laughs> you know, here's where I have to be like, Quakers founded the state in a way. You know, I mean, Moravians came in too, but they were here first. And I'm sorry, but 
if you're going to move to a state where you don't get along with 98% of the folks living there, <laughs> then you, <laughs> sir, moved to the wrong fucking state. Uh. The colonists are not slaves. They didn't get forcibly moved to Pennsylvania. They came there of their own fucking free will. And then they get yeah. pissed off about the pacifist ideals that everybody wants to get along. No, they gotta fucking stir shit up. Jeez Louise. As with most terrorist groups, though, they were mostly all talk with the only action they knew being violence or cruelty. It's going to take them until February 5th to get as far as Germantown. And once they realize that they're going to be met with a huge military presence in Philadelphia, they stayed in Germantown. <laughs> they're like, uh, I don't know anymore. What was that number you said? <laughs> I'd have stayed in Germantown too, personally. All of Philadelphia was like, we're ready to go. Sounds mm -hmm. about the same, actually. Yeah, I was about to say, when Philadelphia gets ready to go, you better, you better step away. <laughs> Here's the thing. While they're there, in Germantown, these quote, remember, mild and merciful men? Well, they started doing the following. And this is a quote that comes from a resident of Germantown named David Rittenhouse. And I quote I have seen hundreds of Indians traveling the country and can with truth affirm that the behavior of these fellows was ten times more savage and brutal than theirs. They were frightening women by running the muzzles of their guns through windows, swearing and hallooing, I love that word, attacking men without the least provocation, dragging them by their hair to the ground, and pretending to scalp them, shooting a number of dogs and fowls. Those bastards. How dare you shoot the dogs, too? I knew you were going to say that. Like, I get oh. it. The rest of it's, like, the worst, but, like, really, guys? This is another one of those, like, reminds me of somebody trying to say there are good people on both sides. But no, there's not any good people in this group of people at all. They all fucking suck and they are there to get what they want. This is this is their attitude. So, well, obviously they realized that they could push the people in Germantown around a little bit. So they probably went, well, we should stay here before we get our asses kicked by a city full of people who don't want us there. Now, that is a good point, And I'm going to mention since you said that. That up until now, these guys have not been brought to any kind of justice for what they did in the past, like a few months ago. One of the reasons is that the, I don't know, you say like the policing system in those areas was not fully established and they didn't have enough people to fully police them like they should have. And so sure. not only are they hiding, but, and this is where they could say that no one's turning them in. It might actually have been the police force not turning them in, you know? fair or they were just scared shitless of them because there was about you know give or take there's about 250 of these guys and they're all armed and you're just like uh well i only got 16 dudes so yeah so i want to end up like susquehannock no not particularly no but they found out see they did fuck around <laughs> and then they found out that if they tried that same bullshit in the Philadelphia area that they weren't going to get away with it. So Ben Franklin leads a group of civic gentlemen to meet with these terrorists and hear their grievances. Perhaps not the person who these men wanted to meet because Ben's already written a scathing review of the murders 
And then he was overheard saying, after learning of the further murders at Con- of the Conestogas or the Susquehannocks, quote, it grieves me to hear that our frontier people are yet greater barbarians than the Indians and continue to murder them in time of peace. They have this meeting. The civic leaders agree to read the terrorist pamphlet, i.e. propaganda. It's a list of their issues, things that they want done. Sure. They're going to read this to the colonial legislature. They promise to do it. And the Paxton cult goes back to where it came from. Do you think for one second that Philadelphia is going to negotiate with terrorists? Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. That is the correct answer. Oh, hell no. The assembly offered the protesters nothing. Yes. And why would they? They murdered innocent Christian natives. They blew through towns waving guns and causing problems for everyone. Does this not sound familiar? A little bit. Yeah, it sounds like a bunch of theater and drama that played out and the last few years kind of also playing out now where you got a lot of dick waving and gun posing and threats. Another one just happened the other day. I think at one point there was a bunch of traffic jams that were caused by folks. Uh, yay. Yeah. You see, no one likes you when you do these things. We didn't like it in 1764 and we don't like it now. <laughs> oh, my God. Some historians from the 1940s will say that this incident with the Paxton men leads the way for change in Pennsylvania. The Quakers versus the Proprietary Party. While I am 100% on board with the Quakers' attitude towards natives at the time, I also understand the Proprietary Party had its own mission, if you will. Usually they're fighting between the two of them. But even folks like Ben Franklin, who would be considered part of the Proprietary Party, it was a lot of defense of, of Penn, William Penn, and what he wanted to accomplish in Pennsylvania. And the number one thing there was a peaceable kingdom. He wanted everybody sure. to get along. Sure. But the newer papers and books that focus on that particular subject about whether or not, you know, these guys actually had an impact on Philadelphia politics or Pennsylvania politics, uh, they have a completely different viewpoint. That basically there were cracks and imperfections in the Pennsylvania political structure, but it's the Revolutionary War that's going to be instrumental in ironing those out. Right. I mean, that makes more sense. Yeah. Like, like this is this incident is small in comparison to the much larger picture that you're about. Yeah. Very much so. And it's close enough that, I mean, I could see it getting misconstrued, but definitely. One's definitely way bigger of an impact. Yeah. Uh, somebody else had pointed out uh, that when it came time for voting, that for the first time in like for the first time in forever, um, <laughs> they had. <laughs> I'm gonna get dinged by Disney. They had eleven Presbyterians elected to assembly, which was a lot. It was like eleven of the thirty-six. That is a lot. That is. But it, honestly, though, that's what I think that's what a lot of these newer papers are trying to say is, that, but that was to be expected because it was already kind of going that way. Nothing that the Paxton crew did affected that, honestly. Right. 
people were already saying, well, we should probably have a little bit more representation within uh, the different religious groups within Pennsylvania. Some of the local legends around these guys, they started suggesting that they were great patriots and they were the first to pick up weapons against the British, but their service is no more exemplary than the aristocratic Philadelphians who took arms against the British at the same time. Basically, their only claim to fame is going to be that they're part of a terrorist group that brutally murdered women and children. Yeah. Fuck them. Fuck them. If I hear, <laughs> if I ever hear anyone try to tell me that this is what it's about, you know, it's about standing up to big government. Um, no, <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was about 250 people who just got a wild hair up their ass about Native Americans doing something that they didn't even do and then deciding to add on some political shit to it to get them noticed and to possibly get out of it. And again, the only, you know what I mean? Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, probably partially to get out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then the biggest way they get out of it is the Revolutionary War, because now yeah. Pennsylvania needs everybody, whether they're a fucking asshole or not. Yeah. You guys know how to shoot a gun. Yeah, well, yeah, unfortunately, we know that you know yeah, how yeah. to. We know you're well equipped for shooting guns at people, so come on. Taking out the last remnants of an entire tribe. Thanks, assholes. So let me tell you about the assholes. Lazarus Stewart. <laughs> so you've not been doing that this whole time? <laughs> oh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish him off because, you know, I, again, I feel like it's, it's, I'm doing a disservice if I don't, uh, you know, clean up the mess. So <laughs> my favorite, Lazarus Stewart, uh, the psychopath, will be killed in action during the Revolutionary War at the massacre during the Battle of Wyoming in Pennsylvania. Mm, fuck them. This is the Battle of Wyoming, Pennsylvania. It is the American rebels getting their asses handed to them by the British. So that's not good. Uh, yeah. You know, not, but not, not good, at least but he died too. <laughs> for this guy, fuck, uh, man. fuck him. But uh, well, this upstanding citizen, though, who, you know, says that he never killed anyone in his entire life, uh, before mm -hmm. running, before this, was running from the law and had already been implicated in other assaults and arson. So he wasn't great. It, the, he was terrible. They they really just let anybody join the army back then, huh? I guess they well, didn't do any checks. They didn't because the Jeanne Hutton massacre is a prime example of how the Western Pennsylvania didn't do any checks and balances. They were like, "Can you shoot a rifle? Okay, good, you're in." Fair, fair. Are you a mass murderer? It, I, I guess it doesn't matter at this point. Just here's a gun. Yeah. Please shoot it at shoot the British. I mean, I guess if you're allowed to, if you're able to squeak by signing up at like 14 years old, they really just don't give a fuck. So, <laughs> so John Elder is going to be relieved of any of his commands that he had because he was part of the quote Rangers from that area, which they sort of labeled themselves that, even though they were a vigilante group. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, he's okay. He also excused the killings, as we just heard. He absolutely refused to be helpful in identifying any of the suspects. So. Uh, even though he's not going to officially be charged with anything because he didn't actually kill anyone. He was there and he didn't help. The worst thing is they just relieved him of command. And that was it. Like he had nothing else to do with the military ever again. James Gibson, not a whole lot was known about him before and not that much is known after either. William Boyd is going to serve during the war. 
nothing else happens with him. He doesn't do anything spectacular. It's not like he's some fucking great patriot who stormed the British and did shit. He just, like everybody else, took a weapon and fought in the war. This is my favorite one, though. Matthew Smith. He's going to join the Revolutionary War. At one point, he becomes the vice president of Pennsylvania. Interesting. And the only reason that he becomes that is that the guy before him resigned. And he is the vice president of Pennsylvania, which I believe in today's terms would be like the lieutenant governor, for a 12 whole days. Oh. And then he resigns his position with no explanation. <laughs> what? <laughs> but I'm guessing that it's because he was a fucking murderer and a terrorist for part of his life. And he didn't want that to come out. So he just stepped down. <laughs> yeah, somebody probably, somebody in the office probably gave him the wrong look and went, hey, isn't Aren't that you- that guy? Aren't you the guy that wrote that missive, that pamphlet about how you wanted to overthrow the government and fill it? Oh, it was you. Yeah, you should probably not just leave. Yeah. Thanks for your service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. GTFO. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> to wrap up this ending of this massacre, I would just like to remind everyone that there isn't a whole lot left with which for us to remember the Susquehannock tribe. because. They all died. Stinks. No living descendants. All the cultures destroyed. There is a plaque commemorating the passing of them. It is in the, quote, old jailhouse. Again, I'll get to that in a second. The plaque, the money for that was raised by Jesse Nighthawk, who is a Cherokee from Oklahoma. Cool. The plaque's inscription was written by Johnny Tiger Jr., who is a Seminole. And, uh, yeah, I kind of feel like, hey, thank you so much for doing what you did, the two of you, because otherwise, I mean, I'm sure that at some point Pennsylvania residents would have done something, but it's nice that it came from other tribes. It shouldn't have had to, you know, that's the sad fucking part about it. It's really like the really sucky part about that whole story. That there's nothing left. There is Susquehannock tribe in other states. Um, That's why I kept making sure to say that it was the ones here in Pennsylvania. But to me, that's still, it doesn't matter. It's like that's a whole section of the tribe that's just completely wiped out that was very specific to our area. Yeah. So, hey, what about this poisoned land theory, right? I keep discussing this. One of the reasons I did all these massacres in a row is because each one seems to have the same problems some of you guys might have listened to our episode on haunted theaters that's episode 62 the fulton theater is where the jail yard used to be right now Uh, fulton theater in lancaster it was featured okay most recently on portals to hell gotcha to me, it's it's a very, I would love to go here. It's not that far away. Like, I keep saying, we need to go down that way anyway to, like, have our massive food day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I'm like, I, you know I'm not going to forget it. <laughs> I'm like, Lancaster food trip. Also ghosts. <laughs> One of the first-hand accounts that I listened to that I thought was really kind of funny, but... It doesn't necessarily have to be associated with 
our natives who died there. Because there are some other hauntings that go on in this place. I'm going to mention those because in Portals to Hell, this was actually talked about. And I think it's really interesting to consider. In that episode that we did on the Haunted Theaters, I do remember mentioning that, I think it's Marie Cahill, the actress, she supposedly still hangs out at the place. Right. This story kind of sounds more like her than anything else. One of the directors, Mark Robin, he tells a story about when he first got hired to work at the theater. And some of the folks that are, you know, they welcome him in. They're like, oh, you know, whatever. Hey, Mark, just know that probably not too long after you start working here, you're going to have to make peace with the ghosts that are here. He laughs it off a little bit like, yeah, whatever. There's always a ghost at a theater. It's just theater life. So one night he's working on a document on his computer. And he has several power outages, like his whole office blinks out. Each time this happens, he puts everything back on, you know, computer gets back up. He's using like a Word document, so it's supposed to autosave. It doesn't. It's just a blank document. He's like, oh, fuck, right? That's the worst. That's right? the worst, man. Oh, my God. Like, I was already like, oh, dude, this is this is the ghost story, right? Like... <laughs> Start over. Just you monster. How could you? <laughs> That's the horror story right there, right? That you lost yeah. everything every fucking time. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, dude. This happens about three times. And he's like, after the third time, I'm just like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the thing. Listen, I have work to do. I know you're here. We're going to have to get along together because I got work to do. <laughs> And, and I can't, you know, I can't keep doing this. I keep losing my stuff. It's the third time. You do you, I'll do me. Mm-hmm. Turns everything back on. Only this time, when the power comes back on and he goes into the same Word document, the screen is covered in X's and O's. Interesting. Yeah. He's like, there's no way that's possible because I'd have to type them all in and it didn't autosave. Like, that was part of the problem. It wasn't autosaving any of my work. All three times that document was blank when I reopened it. Right. That sounds like a Maria Cahill thing to me. Yeah. It's funny. It's quirky. It's cute. He's a director. And this is happening to him. I was like, mm, somebody wants your attention. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you gave it to her, she gave you hugs and kisses. That's actually kind of sweet. I like stories like that. You know, like, that's, that's kind of cool. And yeah, I'm trying to make sure I talk about things that we didn't talk about. For example, the other one that comes up is that sometimes the engineers and um, your set designers, you know, they're, they're taking photographs of the set, kind of like, you know, making sure everything looks right, et cetera, et cetera. And a few times, and I, to me, this is important because these are just normal people. They're just working there. They're not looking to take ghost photography, right? They are literally just there to take photographs to double check props etc mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a few times there have been these lights that show up and for a minute i thought oh god are we talking about fucking orbs i swear to god but then they were like no no it's literally the shape of a person but here's the weird thing it's not just one it's like it looks like a larger person and then a small person almost like a woman and a child like the outline of it but they're bright and it just shows up in the photographs like, you know, the fuck is this? To me, the, the pertinent part of it is kind of like the, the three things. The, the woman and the child, which comes into play later. The fact that 
no one's trying to take these pictures for ghosts. These aren't ghost hunters. You know, they're just people working there. And when they've attempted to recreate the same effect, they can't do it. Mm. And these are lighting you know, technician guys. Like, I, yeah, they're, they're like, I don't know how the fuck that happened. I literally don't know. Because then it'll be like, well, I'll take like three pictures in a row and only one of them has it in it. And the other two are clean. Wow. That's interesting. That is a completely separate like YouTube type conversation that I listen to that happens completely separately from several other YouTube channels that I've listened to people going there with that that had a medium. Now, I I have my own feelings about mediums, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. The, I feel like, okay, in order for them to consistently say the same thing, they'd have to listen to each other. I guess maybe somebody has the time to do that if they want to, you know? What do you mean? Explain. You know, like, okay, like, let's say I'm a medium and they're like, we want you to come out to Fulton Theater and give us a reading. Well, I could very easily look up all the information I need to know about Fulton Theater. Yep. But like I could go on YouTube and look look at every single medium that's ever been there and see what they say and then mimic everything that they said. Fair. So for me it's like it's it's pretty easy to fake that if they wanted to. I a hundred percent agree. I would have to believe this person you know of all things considered paranormal i think mediums and psychics are the things i am most skeptical of so and that, yeah and this coming from someone who my grandmother did this it's like you know i do believe that she had a certain talent to a certain point but she wasn't right about a whole lot of shit either yeah. you yeah. know so there has to be like this happy medium <laughs> between but um you know, between belief that someone actually has the gift and then someone who's just trying really hard to have a gift but doesn't have one and just likes to read what everybody else says. Yep. Yep. However, the medium, the guy that was on with Portals to Hell, because I watched that portion of it specifically, and another couple of other people who I watched on other channels, they all said that they felt as though there was at least a female and child presence that was stuck there or that was there had not moved on. Right. Wanted to tell their story. Now the guy from portals to hell apparently was not told anything at all about this location. He's flown out here. He's shoved in there. And then, you know, he got a lot of stuff, right? I have to believe that though. I have to believe that he actually didn't go on his phone and look everything up, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yep. Or he's just a really fucking great actor, you know? Like, I. Yeah. It's hard to believe that he wouldn't know where he's going if he has to travel there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the less I know, the better. Like, you know what you're getting hired for and you know the location. It'd be pretty easy to, I would think. Maybe I'm wrong. I I don't know. But (laughs) the conversation that he had, though, after was very interesting. Part of the show that I didn't watch because I kind of skipped, like I said, I kind of skipped to the parts that I really wanted to like listen to in that particular show Mm because I just didn't have time. I was a little busy with Star Trek. Sorry, guys. Wow. I know. Not even doing my fucking job. Fucking nerd. Entertainment. Sorry that all of these massacres with zero justice handed out are just got to me and I needed to watch. <laughs> way do his thing. <laughs> God damn it. Even on fucking hell on wheels, he finally killed the guy. My f- anyway, I digress. Oh my god. 
while Katrina and Jack are at, at the Fulton, this is during COVID. So the theater's closed. And then people were saying that they're seeing black masses forming like in the corners of the room. They're seeing these entities almost like that weren't there before. And the the medium who I'm sorry, I did not write his name his name down. You can watch the episode though. It's I'm just basically telling you what he says in the episode. It's all there. I thought it was interesting because he went downstairs. He was supposedly pulled, you know, downstairs. He picked up on the women, the children, the murders that that supposedly didn't know it was a prison before, but but it was seeing bars and seeing people either locked up because they were supposed to be or locked up for this quote other reason. He couldn't quite figure that out, and I was like, all right, that's that's fair. If that, if that's true, that's that's really good reading because he's right. right. Yeah. Right. Um, he also picked up on some other stuff, like this was a location for the Underground Railroad as well. And it could have been after he was told like certain pieces of information, he was like, oh, that's okay. So these were slaves here. They were just being hidden here and then moved on. Okay, gotcha. But when he came upstairs and he was in the theater and we're talking about that it's a place of joy and he says that I feel like there are certain spirits who come here to watch the plays. And Maria Cahill had always said that this was her happy place. So the question is brought up then, and and Katrina, I think, is the one that actually brings it up uh, initially. Is this other stuff going on? Is this because the place has been, it's not abandoned, right? Because, but with COVID, it feels like it is. Mm -hmm. There's no normal theater presence right now. There's nobody in here on a daily basis like there used to be and there certainly are isn't anyone any plays going on right are we running into this case where the absolute negative horrible energy that was created when the massacre happened downstairs right underneath the fucking stage right now is that coming out because number one it's quote abandoned and number two the joy of going to the theater is no longer here and the two of them kind of discussed that. And I thought that was really, really interesting because one of the reasons that I have loved Ghost Story Guys, like from the beginning when listening to it, is because they talk about that very thing. That there are places, and I believe it's picked up from Indian, like actual from India lore, of how abandoned places can gather negative energy. Yes. And I'm just like, this is the perfect example that there was probably more of an ebb and flow because it's a theater. So the positive energy is keeping the, quote, negative energy at bay. Not even canceling each other out. It's just, it, it's because there's so much joy upstairs and enjoyment upstairs that downstairs is being kept at bay. The moment that that stops, like, quote, all hell breaks loose, right? <laughs> right, right. Because it's all fucked up. The whole vibe is just completely thrown off. That's why... I think this place is so intriguing. We might never have even seen something like this happen if it hadn't been for COVID. It is an interesting concept. And then it's something that we should probably be asking ourselves with every investigation that we go to that had something like this happen because of COVID, like somewhere that had to close down temporarily. Right. But already had a lot of activity because the Fulton had activity like forever. Right. Yeah. Um, Anyway, that's that's what I got. And those are the questions that I, I have because of this episode. I don't know. So uh, tell us what you think. You know, drop us a line. Tweet something on this episode when I 
when I uh when it goes live in like a month. <laughs> <laughs> any closing any closing statements, uh, Cord? Fuck them Paxton boys. <laughs> yeah. Again, we have another we have another group of people who also refer to themselves as boys who aren't. And Mm, I, you know, I feel again like that's like not mm. taking any responsibility because you're actually grown ass men, but <laughs> you're not children making bad decisions. You're grown ass men making bad decisions, but it's whatever. Yep. All right. On that note, our band for this week is Spellbook, and they are from York, Pennsylvania. Freaking brilliant. I'm so glad I ran into them. Thank goodness for Bandcamp and algorithms in general, because I didn't even know this band existed, but they are like a uh, 1970s throwback band that reminds me a lot of Ozzy, like early Ozzy. Really, really cool. And the song we're going to play today is called Ray Myers Hollow. Yeah, what the hell? Man? Oh, we had the Hex Hollow, but this is uh. a new album. This is a new album. It's a brand oh, okay. new album. So it's, okay. yeah. So at least we got that going for it. This would have totally been in our Hex Hollow murder segment, but they just made the song last, end of last year. I think it's 2020. Yeah. So we bought the album. It's fantastic. I love the whole damn thing. Definitely might hear from them again towards spooky season because I want to, I want to hook up with them again. When we get back, we'll do our spooky squad news. <laughs> one without dog barks <laughs> that was perfect you're welcome like welcome back. oh he did it again he doesn't like your voice welcome back that time we only heard like the little jingling of of reggie over there <laughs> <laughs> but i keep My telling people i was like listen it's the outro if you hear a little dog jingling bells in the background that's reggie we all love him to death he's so cute he's the cutest little boy ever if you don't love my dog, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, well, listen, thank you so much for listening today as we wrap up some of the really sad and depressing BS that happened. Yeah, we got to do some we got to do some uh, fun subjects for a little bit. I <laughs> I've got them. They're planned. Like I said, right after this, we've got two interviews coming up. They're going to be a lot of fun. And... After that, it's it's officially spring now, so we're going to be heading the end of spring into summer. Uh, thank goodness. It's all fun. It's all fun shit. And we got Cord vs. Crypto coming back. Hell yeah. Uh, for the summer. Locking down those dates. 
one of them is already part of it's already locked down. So a summer of fighting monsters. Yes, I actually kind of like it that way. Doing like two a year at least with the and they've all kind of fallen in the summer. So that's pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. Got a little bit of extra stuff. Seasons. So, uh, thank you to all the Patreon supporters. We would have had our first little Patreon Discord meeting. Hopefully it was fun. <laughs> I love talking about things that haven't happened yet, but have already happened in the past as of this <laughs> recording. It's very weird. <laughs> I'm going to say we had a blast. I know that we're going to be talking about just general fun stuff. We're going to talk about the Oscars a little bit and uh, what we thought of, you know, who won, who lost. I'm going to do some Oracle card readings for some people. So good times. Oh, man. If you want to join that squad for Patreon, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash mission spooky. We have tiers at the one, three and five dollar levels. One single buck gets you our undying gratitude, access to our booper reels, access to our archive state episodes with just me and JC. And then a shout out on the cast at the three dollar level. You get early access to our side missions and exclusive access to my Kiki's quirks, which I realize I haven't done in a year. So that's kind of I need to do that. Oof. Yeah, I know. Uh, but they also get the digital stat block card and the art card for Cord versus Cryptid. And lastly, they get access to the exclusive new state episodes, which now include you, Cord. Yes. And we have already done Ohio and Massachusetts. We'll be out this the month this comes out. We'll we'll have put out Massachusetts. And I'm not going to tell you what we're doing next, listeners. You're just going to have to just join us at the $3 level. Uh, at the $5 level, you get access to the private Discord server that I was just talking about, where once a month you join me and we talk about some BS. So whatever. I'll put polls out there and then y'all pick what you want to talk about. You can also join our regular Discord community, which is what we're trying to grow currently. We have channels dedicated to cryptids, ghosts, UFOs. You can promote yourself if you're an artist, author, musician, or a fellow podcaster. We have sections for that too. We've got a D&D chat, general gaming chat. Basically just come out and hang out with us because we're a bunch of fucking nerds. Tales of Thern is doing well. And that is the D&D podcast that I am on as Daphne, the cleric. Cool. We'll be done that season by summertime, by the end of summer. I think that, that season wraps up and then we'll be moving on. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter until it finally self-destructs. Man, it's taken so long. I really <laughs> thought it would have been. Uh, it is like in the death I'm, rows. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the day. I just want it to die. I hate social media. It's the worst. <laughs> the only reason we have it is because I have to talk to people. One of us I, should talk to people. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter has been my least favorite social media since it started. We're also on Instagram at Mission Spooky. And uh, you can follow us there for a little bit more interactive content. Also, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes, Podchaser, and Good Pods. Just remember to be kind. We, all three of us, in some capacity, have also been working on the next season of Dark Passages, which are original horror stories written by our artist for the podcast, Chris Stone. So please follow him on Instagram as well and follow Dark Passages on spotify that'd be really awesome also you can follow us on spotify and have this like automatically download so you never miss an episode and 
And that also helps us out a lot too, because we can really see like how many people are following us on the regular, which is amazing. And lastly, follow us on YouTube because we have the old, you know, like this content goes up there, but we do have our movie reviews, exclusive movie reviews on there as well. And we are trying to figure out time-wise, like how we can make that happen more often. Cause the last one we did was for October. So, you know, uh, and that was on our spoopy, spoopy movies. So they're fun, spooky movies. My dear listeners, thank you once again for tuning in. And just remember, stay spooky and don't die. But if you do, contact us. You could probably just tweet it to Kiki and have her deal with it. (laughs) Sure, why not? It's everything else around here. (laughs) 